Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Thomas Free Me TV and podcast show. This is Thomas Free Me, as always, late, but always on time. the truth in the u.s a staggering 2.2 million people are incarcerated a 500 percent increase over the past 30 years one in four prisoners were foster children one in 28 american children has a parent behind bars a public defender will routinely have a caseload of more than 100 clients at a time states spend 2.8 billion dollars annually to incarcerate people for non-criminal rule violations more than 10 percent of the incarcerated in the u.s are veterans While less than 1% of our citizens serve, more than half are there due to PTSD and substance abuse. Veterans are losing their freedom because of defending ours. Tackle the Shackles, a mega movement to create culture change. Not just inside courtrooms and prisons, but within society. Organizations, activists, and legislators are struggling to pass laws to reform the broken justice and prison systems. This is primarily because the public either doesn't know or doesn't care about the injustices and suffering of those caught up in these systems. The key to success is to make it trendy to be informed and care about our incarcerated citizens. Tackle the Shackles is a national community coalition between athletes, churches, police, service providers, prisons, legislators, and the public to bring about better second chances and reduce recidivism. The coalition also promotes criminal justice and prison reform to ensure fairness in courtrooms, reasonable sentences, and that prison time is rehabilitative instead of punitive. As our country is struggling to find answers to the shackles, issues of inequality, racism, and injustice, it is an ideal and critical time to implement the tackles. Real solutions and reform. Tackle the Shackles is the movement to unify our country and educate about the depth of the criminal justice issues as we reveal and implement solutions. Tackle the Shackles. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Thomas Free Me TV and Podcast Show. This is Thomas Free Me, also known as Free Me Podcast. Thank you for joining Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing. We got to do our part. So thank you all for doing that. And I want to apologize for all, you know, for for my my lateness, if you will. Been had a lot going on the last month. I'm just trying to catch up with everything. My podcast is really taking off, so I appreciate the love and support, man. I really do. These are important topics that that I'm bringing to you guys, you know, but at the end of the day for all my new subscribers, just please keep in mind, this is only me. You know, I I edit, I produce, I do all the graphics, I do all the social media marketing. Of course, I do the interviews. I'm Thomas Freeman, you know, and and this is this isn't it don't shut off. You know, I you know, I had a, a lady ask me not too long ago, like. You know, when when does it shut off? When do you shut off? You know, and and then I'm too serious. I hear this a lot. You know, I'm too serious. And I'm always wanting to discuss life issues and things of that nature. But we got serious things going on. And this is not a time for our head to be in the sand. So today's discussion, you know, is with a House of Representative candidate by the name of Mark Caruso out of District 38 here in Florida, Seminole County area. Um, As you know, as I've said, 
This is not the platform for politicians, right? I welcome a discussion with any human being that is willing to sit down and have a conversation of integrity, of honesty, of truth, of what is really going on. And if you happen to be running for office in that fashion and you want to expose of, you know, just just bring awareness to who you are, I'm the perfect person for that. Because if you can sit down with me and have a have a discussion like that, we're going to be speaking on root issues, right? Root, root. You know, not none of this placation to politicians and things of that nature to get, you know, certain legislation passed so I can maybe get some funding or a little bit of awareness, things of that nature. There's no boot polishing going on here. I promise you. I'm here for the people. The platform that I'm building is for the people, for the communities, a voice for the voiceless, for those who are yelling every day and nobody's paying attention to. I'm building a platform for these individuals and I'm doing the yelling for them. I speak for a lot of of what's going on in our communities because I'm in the community. I got to sit here and work the way that I do to get the bills paid that I do. You know, and fortunately enough, I've, I've been I've been blessed to get in with Uber before they started doing background checks. And I'm, I'm grandfathered in. And that has allowed me a lot of <clears throat> the time to do what I, I'm doing, building my nonprofit here in the Tampa Bay area as a community outreach for people to reach out to, you know, and Uber has allowed me the opportunities to do that. And I'm very grateful, you know, and, and humble that I've had this opportunity. Not everybody has that opportunity. I was just in the right place at the right time, you know, and I took advantage of that and, and I continue to do so. And so it's, it's just doing that. It's just getting it done because I can. I'm in the position to do so. And this is what I'm urging all our community people to do is to get involved in some way. And I truly feel that this is what this, this Mark Caruso individual has done. You know, he just he he sees a fit. He's experienced in in a certain arena that we're we're going to uncover heavily, right, and get into the depths of. And he feels that he has the cojones to make a change. And this is what we need. We need people out of our communities, right, that we're not looking for material aspects. We don't need those things. I don't need them. I have people asking me to run. You know, and I'm not saying no, not right now, of course. I don't think I have the support for that. Nobody really truly knows who I am here in the Tampa Bay area yet. But it's not off the board. It's whatever the people want. And if the people feel that I'm a good representation for them, I'll do that. Because essentially this this is what I'm doing is I'm building this. I'm I'm, I'm giving this to the people. This is for the people. Because I, I, I don't need anything. I've, I've been in that material life, you know, and I know what comes with that stuff. I'm not looking, I'm not looking for that. And I'm definitely not no get along, go along type of dude. I'm a convict. And what that means to me is that's a lifestyle. That's not something that you go into prison and, and you just, you, you know, understand the basic elements of what a convict is and kind of apply that just to get you through prison. But when you come home, you know, you, you change. No, this is, this is who I am, you know. And, and if you're a true convict, and you don't have to be to prison to, to be a convict, you know, not, not in my definition. You know, a convict is an individual who stands up for what he believes in, what he believes to be right. He doesn't mind other people's business. What they got going on is what they got going on as long as it has no direct impact on on that particular convict, right? That convict lives by their own standard, their own rules of what they feel is right. The convict may be guided by God nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten he is, Right? When when we speak on God's warriors, we have to start looking at some of these convicts because it's exactly who we are. And the reason why we get to that point is because we have been in hell. This is why you don't hear me speak about violence and stuff on my channel. 
There's many other channels that you can go to and they love exploiting prison in that fashion. They love, you know, uh, bringing out violence and gangs and rapes and, and stabbings and all these things, right? But you're going to see in this discussion coming up how it affects me because I have experienced these things firsthand, right? And just like any soldier that goes to war and is on the front lines and they're the ones doing these things, they don't come back and definitely don't want to glamorize it. You dig what I'm saying? So you're going to see how these things affect me, right? This is why I don't glamorize them on my channel. We speak of them, sure, because they're realities, right? So there's many other channels to get that stuff from, and they have many subscribers and many likes and followers and all these things. And, and and you can go there to your heart's desire and listen to all about men raping men, you know, if, if that's what you fancy. But here, these people are suffering. And, and, and to understand why these human beings are doing some of the, 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 the previties that they are is what I try to get to the root of. Because at the end of the day, and from my experience only, I've never met anybody who wanted to be in the position that they were in. They just didn't know how. They didn't know any other way. A lot of them had no other way. You know, so it's, and then it's understanding that they know nobody else cares. Nobody cares about their story. They're just going to continue to do, you know, do what they would do. You know? And and so, and, and then when you put that behind an alpha male, you know what I mean? You you create a dangerous individual, you know, but but we're harboring these things. We're spawning this evil. That's that's what I'm trying to get to the root of. Not everything that I say may be accurate. Not everything that I say may be true in a lot of people's experiences, but they are for mine. You know, that that that's why I'm always open for understanding and education. Because I know I'm only speaking from my experience. I know what I've seen. I know what I've processed. I know what my mind has taken in. I try to bring that out into discussions with a lot of individuals, you know, because I'm not too good at telling stories and things like that, you know. I'm I'm not. I've never been a storyteller. So maybe that's why I'm not too popular on YouTube or whatnot. But. I have stories and those stories will come in fruition. They'll come naturally. And that's how I want everything that I touch. I want it to be as genuine and as natural as possible. This is why a lot of my discussions that I have with people are with people that I don't know. Like Mark and I has never, we, we had one conversation for about 30 minutes prior to this. And that's only because this is, an individual that is running for a, a high public position, right? So I, I did want to touch basis with him on that to kind of direct on maybe where I would want the conversation to go. But I'm not pre-planning none of this, you know? A lot of times I may not even research too much into it because I want things to be natural. I want the viewers and the listeners to hear a genuine conversation of truth and honesty because I know how rare that is for us these days and then let the people do what they do if they want to censor it they censor it I mean Google AdSense has has demonetized my YouTube channel you know TikTok censors me heavily especially the videos where I'm greatly talking about unity and and these are the things that we have to keep in mind in light of what we see going on you know and not allow things to affect us emotionally. Here again, God bless the souls of, of Buffalo. But we have to see and understand what is going on. What is going on? We know, we the people know that they want us divided. They want us arguing with each other. They want us divided. They want us killing each other. This is why I'll never commit a crime again is because I understand what crime is now. Right. Crime is generated to justify the police, to justify the prison system because of the money it generates people. 
just sit down and think about all the money tied into the prison industrial system that we pay for our tax money. The government don't pay for this. When we sit here and we look at these people and how they're living in these big houses, and we'll get into how some of these representatives are, are living in mansions worth millions, right? Because there's so much money that's untapped, right? There's so much money coming in from lobbyists, from these super PACs, from, from agenda to push certain things. Florida is, has one of the most atrocious prison records in 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 human in human history i mean where else where else would you get these statistics from we have more lifers here in florida than 30 other states combined we have over 120 some prisons in this state and that's just state that's not even the federal facilities florida is a generating machine We're going to get into the corruption. We're going to get into a lot of these things. You know, uh, Mr. Caruso is he appears to be a concerned citizen who worked in law enforcement, worked in the Department of Corrections for 10 years. And because of his demeanor within the department, right, his honesty, his integrity, he he was ostracized. He was labeled as a whistleblower, as a snitch and, and things of these of this nature, you know, and, and we get into that, you know, because and for my for my convicts and for my inmates, man, listen, listen, I know I upset some people with with how I speak and, and some of the things that I say. But this is a time that we have to understand people. Right. We have to stop doing the things that we're doing. We have to start making sacrifices, although a lot of people on the inside have made many sacrifices. Right. But. Us as a whole, when I'm speaking to the community, I'm speaking to all the communities because the prison is community as well. My inmates, my brothers and my sisters that are locked down, they're in their own lifestyle. They're in their own communities. That is a community in itself. So when I say that we got to do better in our communities, it's all of that. Now, inmates will look out for inmates, no question, especially in times of peril, you know, but we need that all of the time. We need that all the time. We have to stop the violence in all our communities. We have to stop selling drugs to each other. We have to stop siding with cops, things of that nature. And and we just have to stop the corruption because that is the only way things are going to change. That is the only way things are going to change is we have to stop giving them the justification because when there's no justification there, then what are they going to say? Then what are they going to say when they don't need cops no more and they don't need prisons no more? What are they going to say when we're telling them, shut all this stuff down? We don't need it anymore. So it's all on self. It's all on self. What are you going to do? Stop trying to beat your neighbor out of a dollar. He's struggling. We're struggling. We have to come together, support one another. Know who you're spending your money with. You work hard for your money. Whose pocket? Whose pocket is your money going in? Is it somebody that's putting money back into the community, your community? This is what we have to start doing. I'm trying to build me a nonprofit here. I'm not trying. I'm doing. But I'm, I'm building me a nonprofit here in the Tampa Bay area that's a community outreach. I do not accept federal funding. I do not accept federal grants, nor will I. I don't want them because I know the ties that come with that. I'm not here just to get funding, right? I'm here to change things at the root because this is slavery, and I know that it is slavery, and we're going to get into that. This is what I'm here for. I just filed for my tax exemption. I'm waiting on that, and as soon as that comes, I'm going to start up my cleaning business here, Coming Home Cleaning, and I will take donations to clean up yards, houses, You know, sweep off roofs, gutters, whatever. Clean up the neighborhoods, pick up trash, things of that nature. You know, that's what I'm going to do. Because it's about cleaning our communities up. Picking up our communities, cleaning them up, and, and, and uniting and coming strong. Right? And bringing in 
returning citizens, welcoming them home. That's that's what I'm trying to establish because nobody wants to hire felons. See, again, we say these things. We go into our community. We tell a homeless person, I'm not going to give him two dollars. Go get a job. People hiring everywhere. Go get a job. I Uber in the Tampa Bay area. I pick up people all day, every day. I'm in the communities all day, every day. There's hiring signs everywhere. True enough. And I have people in my car that tell me nobody wants to work. First thing I ask them, listen, I got felons, right? I got people that are coming home. They want to work. Well, we don't hire convicted felons. We don't want nothing to do with them. These are the issues. So when we sit in, we tell people, Go get a job. Do you really understand what that means? Or are you just pacifying your mind not to give this man $2? Right? Because it's easier for you to say go get a job and it's, it's easier on the mind. Right? These are the things that you, the listener, have to come in contact with. Why? Why didn't you give that man $2? Truly. If you want to give, you just give without questioning if the man wanted to go get a shot of dope if he wanted to that's not my concern listen man if i got two dollars and you ask me for two dollars and 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 whatever spirit in me says at this moment give the man the two dollars you got in your pocket i'm gonna get it to him i'm not even gonna ask him i'm telling him don't do this with it or whatever that's not why i'm giving it to him that two dollars may save his life i have no clue no clue but if i have it why not why would I go spend the $2, right, on a Snickers that this money is going to go, let me not use Snickers because I'm not, I'm not familiar with, what's, with the Snickers company. And, I, you know, but on a product, let's just say to spend this $2 on a product where that money is going to go overseas, right, not back in the community. Why would I spend the $2 on that versus giving it to this man that could use it right now, right here, right now? This is how we have to start looking at things. One, it's going to it's going to make start making our homeless feel like they're part of the community again. Right. And and it may open a conversation. Who knows? You giving him that two dollars. He may say, hey, man, listen, I need a job. I'm a carpenter. Oh, really? That conversation would have never even happened if you didn't give that man that two dollars. These are. What ha- this has to happen, people, this, this is our community. We're shutting our door to the own people in our community. That is what they want us to do. And we have to defend that agenda by coming together. Stop arguing with each other. Stop believing everything that you he- hear and see because they, you know these people are trying to strike emotions within us. Right? Again, many blessings to, to all those inflicted up there in Buffalo, but how do we know, right? How do we know? How do we know this kid was not a plan? How do we know? How do, with some, some made up, we don't, who knows? Who really, really knows? We know that they want our guns. We know that they want our guns, right? Check the history of what went on in Australia. Food shortages, gas prices, Inflation beyond the roof. Okay? Sound familiar? Wake up, people. Wake up and, and recognize the agenda. Now everybody's arguing. Now, now those, I, I think there was another mass shooting now with a black dude. This is what they want. But who's to say? Right? Because one thing I do know is each one of these mass shootings, man, is, is just so clean. Like he had... These people had so much stuff online, so much propaganda online, all the all the propaganda he had online. Right. All this hate stuff he had online. Follow me now. I get censored on TikTok. I get banned. My life gets banned for having my homeboy on there that's in here from out of town using the N word. OK, this, this dude is black as black. OK. And I just say that because. That's just what it is. And he's from the hood, you know, and using the the N word repetitively. And they shut my TikTok down and banned it for hateful speech. Okay, but yet on TikTok going viral has been going viral is a soundbite of some white people. Right. Using 
the N-word over and over and over again, maliciously and in mockery. And that thing is, is, has gone viral, viral. It's used on all kinds of different videos, right, on TikTok. That's okay. Check the agenda, people. Check the narrative. Watch the narrative and don't allow it to affect you personally in your own environment. In your own environment. Just know that it exists, but don't let it affect you in your own environment. Stay the course. Stay the course. Because we do not know. These FBI, the point of me saying that is how can I be so censored? How can I be so censored and be triggered off just the smallest things that I say on my TikTok for, for using these words of, of unity and, and, and togetherness? Yet other people can have so much hate out there in the way that it is. Check the propaganda, man. Check the setup. They want us committing violence against each other. This is the most important time. These people most got us in checkmate, man. And they're applying that pressure down on us. And we cannot allow that to happen. We have to stick together, unite, come together, stand behind those that have the cojones to stand up and fight against these people. Circling all back to Mr. Mr. Mark Caruso, because I'm going to get into it. I know that it's getting lengthy. But I ain't been out here for a minute, man. I haven't talked to my people in a while, you know. But that doesn't mean my clock stops ticking. I'm out here and I'm working day in, day out, seven days a week. Seven days a week trying to get this foundation going. Like I say, I don't, I could easily get funding for this thing. I got enough support and enough backing, enough work to put in the show. This thing is legit. Easily get funding for it. They'll probably give me the funding to shut me up some. But the thing of it is, is that I'm not going to take it. So I'm out here paying everything out of pocket. Getting a little bit of support from my supporters here and there, which I, I urge my community to support because this is this is how it all works. We work together. I have an online store. I have many ways for you to support. Go to www.cominghomecoalition.com and all the ways are there. Subscribe as a member, please. That's the first thing. So you get newsletters, things of that nature. I'm going to start getting onto those, being active with that. You know, but it's a unit, it's, it's a community, but it's just a community of unity, you know, and that's what we're trying to build an outreach for people who need activists. When CPS is in a mother's home, right, who does that mother have to call or the father, not the single out single fathers that are or parents that are dealing with these things, but who are they to call? There is nobody to call when they have these vicious people in their home trying to rip their children out. In the name of safety, but stats is showing that these children are not safety in the, safe in the in the foster care system at all, in the slightest bit. I have testimony on my own show about the foster care system. So, who is there for those those parents? Who? Nobody. Those parents feel all alone, and when these these government agents leave, right, with their children. Who do they have? They feel all alone. There's nobody. Where's the community support? Where's the community love? We need outreaches, people. We need outreaches for these individuals to call and say, hey, I, I, I could really use somebody here right now. And we can get 20 activists to go there in peace, not in violence, but in peace as a third party, right, to oversee what is going on and to make sure, one, that the children that this is as, as less traumatic for the children as possible and that all decisions are being made because you have two emotional entities clashing, right? So where's the third party at? Who's the representative for the community? There's nobody. Understand this, people. There's nobody. There's nobody. Where are the representatives of the community? So that is why I'm trying to build the outreach. But enough of me, people. I love you guys. Thank you again for all of the support, all of the love. Continue it. Keep it growing. Free Me Podcast. Just Google Free Me Podcast. Sign up. Hook up. You know, reach out to me. I'm available. I make myself available. I'm for the people. I'm slow in responses a lot of times. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overworked. There's no question. I have no social life. This is just me. So just understand that and, 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 and love that.
I love you for who you are. Love me for who I am. I'm a broken human too, man, but I'm getting it together, right? But I got ways. My brokenness is within me. You dig what I'm saying? I don't display that to the outside world. These are issues, lifelong issues, because we're all broken. We all been lied to. We all been duped. It's coming to grips with that and asking yourself, who am I really? What are my beliefs? What is my knowledge? Who put my knowledge in my head? Because it wasn't me. I wasn't even aware knowledge was being put in my head, you know. So fact check the knowledge that you have. and Be humble, you know. Come together. I love you guys, man. Peace, man. Be safe. Be blessed. I'm going to get you more. There's gonna, this, I think there's going to be like a four-part episode, right, because it was a three-and-a-half-hour discussion, man. This is untapped. This is, this is a wide-open discussion with a candidate running for the House of Representatives, District 38. Mark Crusoe, man, check it out. I love you guys. Power to the people. So, how are you? Good morning. Good, Good morning. Had a, a late morning. I usually don't sleep this late, but uh, I got up this morning and laid back down. That was a mistake. <laughs> uh, it's never a mistake, partner. Listening to our body is never a mistake. Your body said it needed rest, and you, and you got the rest, man. So, it's okay. And everything worked out. <laughs> so, it's just like that sometimes. So, go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, um, just a little bit about your your character and your upbringing and Okay, so it's Mark Caruso. Uh, I am running for House District 38 here in Seminole County. Uh, I worked in, of course, you know, you know, the Department of Corrections here in Florida, ten years. Um, before that, I lived in New York. Well, actually, before that, I worked for the Orange County Corrections Department here in Orlando first, and before that, I lived in New York. I was with the NYPD for almost four years and uh, married, been with my wife 32 years, two kids. My son is 20, my daughter's 13. So uh decided to move down to Florida to get out of the craziness of New York. As you could see, you know, everybody's kind of fleeing New York. I know people all the time leaving. I have a friend that's actually getting ready to pack up now as we speak. He's, I think he's moving to the Tampa area, I guess, where you are. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, got down here, got settled, really had no plan to get back into law enforcement because I was kind of, I wanted to be kind of done with it. So uh, I actually got a job as a warehouse manager in the Florida Mall for a period of time when I first got here, it was, it was good. You know, the money was good, but I just, I still had that desire in me to do law enforcement. And I knew that cops down here, they usually didn't have a partner. Most agencies, you know, it's, it's one officer by themselves. So I wasn't cool with that. So I decided to give, you know, working in the jail a shot. So I applied there and, Instantly got hired, went through the academy, um, you know, started working at the Orange County Jail. I loved it. It was, uh, it was good money. A lot of overtime. I was doing a lot of overtime. Um, one night I was working on a, a different shift on overtime and something happened with a couple of inmates. You know, they started fighting and, and you know, the officer was kind of treating it like he was a referee instead of an officer. So that kind of took me back a little bit. And that, that wound up in, into being a whole, you know, media circus situation, you know, mm. so. Well, we'll get into all of that. Yeah. We'll get into then, all of that. But yeah. well, tell me, tell me about your childhood up in New York. Like what, what was coming up in New York? What part of New York? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, East New York, mm -hmm. in the hood, as you'd say. Um, I had a good childhood, you know, my parents were strict, um, growing up back then, 
compared to now is like night and day. Kids these days, they don't do what we did. You know, we got up in the morning, we ate our breakfast, we got outside, we hit the bike and we'd, we'd go. We'd go out in the parks, we'd bike out with friends all day. And, you know, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. These kids these days, they don't do that. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's, that's kind of disappointing because my kids don't even do it either. Yeah, no question. I try to get them out and do something, but it's not easy. How, how um, old are you, Mark? 52. 52. So, so you coming up in Brooklyn was around uh, mid-70s, early 80s? Yes. Uh, so notorious, the crime age. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, I believe the, it was the son of Sam, I believe, mm-hmm. committed his killings in the park where I used to play. Mm. Yeah. So had a, you know, a good upbringing. My, my parents always worked two, three jobs. You know, it was always a struggle. So growing up like that, you kind of learn how to survive and you, you learn how to fight, you know, to survive and, and you take your steps along the way to try to get ahead. And that's essentially what I did, you know, for myself. I was, I moved down to Florida when I was uh, going into high school and when we got down here, you know, my parents got a divorce. You know, my dad wanted to stay up there and my mom stayed down here and he got remarried. She got remarried. I, I wound up staying in high school here, went to Lyman High School. And then we then I went to Oviedo, moved to, to I moved out to Chiliota. So I didn't really get along too well with my mother's husband. We had a lot of fights and I kind of went on my own way. I went back to New York back and forth, living with family members, you know, uh, you know, had, had struggles along the way with some family members and wound up back here in Florida, you know, at one point, then back in New York again. And then I met my wife, uh, in 1990 and that's mm-hmm. when we started dating. Have you ever had any experience growing up in, in that environment with just, uh, being around drugs, having is any family members addicted to alcohol, drugs, you know, have, have you felt any of that, that feeling? I never did. I mean, I guess you could say I'm lucky mm-hmm. that I never was in that environment where I seen it or I knew somebody that was involved in it. And I never had that desire or that urge to look at it and say, Oh, I want to try that. I never did, you know, and growing up in New York, like a city like that, you you know, it's kind of, I guess you could say odd that somebody wouldn't be involved with that, but maybe I was shielded from it from my parents, but my brothers and sisters, none of us really involved with drugs that I know of anyway, or I seen, you know, um, I think my mom smoked a little bit of weed when she was younger yeah. And that's about all that's about all I can really say as far as anybody in my family. Um, you know, I had one family member that had, had gone to prison when I was young and it wasn't over drugs. Mm-hmm. So So why law enforcement? What how did your thought process form into becoming a, a law enforcement? Actually it didn't really form into getting into law enforcement until I was maybe my late twenties. You know, I was, uh, I had, I always had like two or three jobs, you know, going through my twenties, dating my wife. Um, I started driving trucks for a living, worked for a scaffolding company. I was making great money. So I did that for a long time. And then, uh, I had a family, my family owned a roofing company in Brooklyn. And my aunt and uncle were like, oh, don't you come work with us? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give me the whole story. And I was like, I felt, you know, okay, it's a family. You know, how bad could it be? No, you can't work for family. <laughs> no, sir. I mean, I did it for, you know, a, a period of time. And I wouldn't say it was the easiest thing. It's probably harder working for family than it is anybody else because you're held to a, a higher level of, expectation and it's just it's hard um right after the family business is when i went into the academy for the nypd when i was uh 
how old was I? 27-ish around there. And I, I didn't really dream about being in law enforcement. I just did it, just made the decision. You know, I had, I had friends that were cops and they were like, oh, I want you to just, you know, apply to go to the police academy. Mm. And I did, and that's where I went. You know, it was like a spur of the moment thing. And from there, it just, it just stayed in that, in that direction. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because, I, you know, in a lot of my talks, I, I, I speak on this about a lot of our officers that join the force, one, to get out of trouble, to avoid trouble, you know, to, to um, like you say, it's just, it's just spur of the moment things. They don't know what direction their life is going in. They don't right. know what to do. They know that they can just become a cop and, and get right. a salary and get all these benefits and things of that nature. And so See, I, I could have, I could have went the military route as well because my uncle was a drill sergeant at the time when I was younger and, you know, may he rest in peace. He just passed away. He was a drill sergeant. Um, he, he took me at one point, I think I was like, I want to say 17, 18, you know, he's seen me and he's like, let's go. I'm going to take you and we're going to put you in boot camp, you know, cause, I, and at that moment, I really had no desire for the military, you know, and I probably should have made that decision to do it. Maybe it would have changed my life. Maybe I wouldn't be where I am right now. I don't know. But now I look back on it and I'm like, man, I should have, I think I should have joined, you know, because I, I, I probably would have liked to have that experience, but you know, you never know. Ah, well, you know, that just goes into the beliefs of, of how you feel life is, is directed, you know, are you directing it or, or is it directing you in some sense, you know, right, so right. for me, everything that I've been through, you know, I, of course, I had to sit down and question like, what the hell is, is this thing about, Yeah, you know, and it was a lot of that self-reflection as to not so much as living in ifs, because I felt that living in ifs was really weighing me down. It was holding me down because I'm, I'm always thinking about what if, what if I, what if I stayed in high school and, and, yep. and listened to the coaches and, and, and played baseball and all of these things, what if, but that just, right. that left so much uh, guilt and remorse and regret. I'm just like, you know, my life is where it is now. I love who I am. And now here we are, you and I sitting here discussing about changing our communities because it's, it's necessary and it's needed. So right. my thing is, is, is I'm here with a human being. I'm not here with anybody that's running for office. Um, I, I specifically really don't deal with politicians. Um, <laughs> I try not to either. <laughs> the thing of it is, is that I'm trying to get, you know, we, the people to understand that we are the boss, you know, we are the boss. We run this country. We are the, we're the backbone of this country and we decide what we want for this country, not politicians, right. Right. you know, and we have to get back into, into that order. And so that's, that's where I come from. I just come from a firm stance. And when I run across an individual that, that says that they feel that they can represent people, I just, you know, I, I just want to have an open discussion with the human being on their thought process. So, you know, it's, that's essentially what I am and what I do is, is I'm here to protect the people, right? Some of the things, again, here in the Tampa Bay area, I'm an Uber driver. I'm in the community every day, all day long talking to people, right? And some of the verbiage that comes out of our community is about our politicians, our corruption, pedophiles, thieves, uh, human traffickers, you know, just, just nothing, hardly any good anymore. Right. People are tired. They're disgusted. They don't know what to do. A lot of what I get is, is what can we do? What can we do? You know, what can we do? Right. Um, they're tired of hearing about, you know, vote better and all of this stuff because it's just the people are tired. And, and at the end of the day, people want more money in their, in their pockets. You know, they're, they're tired of, of slaving and not getting anywhere. You know, right. they're tired of being told that if they just do this and continue this, you know, things will get better. And they don't. They get worse. Stats are showing that. Very true. So this is why, why I'm here. You know, I'm here to try to comfort these people in some sense, to try to bring unity in our communities, to try to get us to understand 
why crimes are being committed in our communities and that we have to stop, right? We have to right. stop selling drugs to each other. We have to stop committing crimes against one another in our communities. We're destroying ourselves. And then we're giving the government every reason to point at us and tell us this is why we need police. This is why we need prisons because of this. So right. if we want them to stop saying that and using us, then we have to do our part, stop committing crime. That is the message that I try to bring to my community. As far as the politicians, it's what are you going to do, Mark? What are you going to do? You, you just described to me that you, you came up in an impoverished life. You came from the quote unquote hood yeah. of, of East Brooklyn. You know poverty. What are you going to do when, when you get in here and these people are sitting down with you and they're saying, hey, Mark, you know, listen, why don't we send your children to the best schools? They'll have the best education. We'll get your wife a new car. You know, we'll spruce up your house a little bit. We'll make your life just a little bit easier for you because you've had a tough life. We just want you to follow along with these bills and go, you know, just just do what the get along, go along gang does. That's exactly how it is. I've, I'm already learning this. And I've been in it, partner. I'll, I'll so so what are you going to do? I'll tell you this. And, and, and you, you understand what I'm going to say. If I wanted that kind of lifestyle where they want to give me something to get something from me, I might as well have stayed in the prison and sold cell phones to the inmates because, mm. because I could have made that money there and probably still be doing it for all I know, you know, but I chose not to, to, to go the route of taking a payout, you know, to get something in return. That's not what I'm about. And I'll never, and I never will be about that. I always like to work for everything I have and earn it, you know, the right way. You know, I wasn't able to buy my son his first car, you know, selling cell phones to inmates. That's my hard earned money that I saved to do that. And, and I, I wanted to give my kids something that I, I didn't get when I was that age. You know, that's how I feel. Amen. Yeah. I, I, can, I can respect that. Yep. I, can, I can wholeheartedly respect that because a lot of money can be made in prison. There's no oh, question about that. You, you ain't kidding. And, and we'll get into that as well. So a lot of the, a lot of the research that I do on you, I get uh, one word that sticks up in everything, right? And that's whistleblower. <laughs> I don't like the word whistleblower because to me it has a negative connotation. I don't know how you feel about being titled as a whistleblower, but for me, it has a negative connotation. And again, it's another stigmatic word that's thrown out there to try to get people to look at what you did negatively, you know. Uh, so I, I wouldn't. And some call, do. Some do. Well, of course they will. You know, of course they will. And, and that gets into the topic of what is a snitch and what isn't. Right. You know, and, and we can both agree on what that is as well. I believe. Well, listen. I've, I've had snitches on my case. I've, I've had to sit in a courtroom and watch these snitches point at me, dress, you know, point out what I was wearing. And, and these were friends that I'd grown up with since middle right. school, you know. Yeah. A, a, a snitch is, to me, an individual who, who had an agreement with somebody. And when that agreement didn't fall through, they're now trying to save their neck as if they didn't have anything to do with that agreement or tried to persuade others into thinking that, that they didn't have anything to do with that agreement. Right. It's, it's being involved in the circumstance. Some little lady that's looking out at her window and seeing a drug deal going on outside and calls the police is not a snitch. That's a concerned citizen, yeah. and she has every right to do that, and that's what is she's supposed to do. Right. I would rather her call community leaders if we had community leaders in place to come handle that versus the police. But we'll get to that as well. That's part of some of the solutions, you know, and it's very important for people to understand that, you yes. know. So this is why I say I don't like whistleblower because to me it has a ring as, as a snitch, you know. So how do you feel about that word and, and having that, that word tied to your name? Well, in the prison system, I could tell you that amongst the officers and i'm gonna say the good officers okay the word snitch is not in that dictionary okay that's called doing your job mm -hmm. okay 
to the bad officers, the ones that are doing the crimes and doing the policy violations, they use the word snitch. And they always give themselves up all the time, even on social media, even to this day, you know, I get the word thrown at me and I know who they are and I know who they're associated with. And that's okay. It don't bother me because mm-hmm. it just proves to me who they are and, and who I know I have to fight for because I am still actively fighting, you know, for the good officers in the department. And we'll get into that. Right. But as, as far as the word whistleblower is concerned, I understand how people want to use that word because they want to hold on to something that they feel is right about that person who's reporting those crimes. And I, I'll, I support their feelings. I, my, I myself, you know, sometimes I'm humbled when they use the word towards me and I understand why. And sometimes it's kind of um, almost upsetting sometimes because I, I shouldn't have to, you know, report some of the things that I've reported because we should have and, and always have good officers who, who want to do their job where they're not forcing someone else to do what I've done. Mm-hmm. I get, can you un- kind of understand where I'm going with that? Uh, of course. You know, yes. so, you know, it, it, it is difficult at times to, to hear it and, and, and it is humbling also, you know, I, I had an interview, you know, with Florida cares and they, they flat out came and said it, you know, I, I wasn't really trying to push that out there and, and they came out and said it and, you know, it was, it was good. It was humbling, you know, and I understand where they're going with it. And, you know, I don't think the, uh, the term will ever go away because there's always going to be crime where it has to be reported, especially in the prisons. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And, and speaking of Florida cares, that interview, I am going to include that link because uh, it was, it was a good interview. Um, it, it, again, just like most interviews with representatives, it was very top coat, you know, it's very surface. Right. And, and, but it was a very good interview and, and it describes a lot of who you are. So I don't want, that's why I want to try to kind of avoid that. And I'll just drop that link so they can go in yeah. and get a lot of that because we have so much to discuss and this could turn into a two, three hour discussion. Sure. So for those that really want to know his background, the prisons that he's worked in, things of that nature, it's all in, in that interview. And you can see that in the descriptions, but, um, before we get into my topics, right, because I'm a big criminal justice guy, I want to get into uh, your runnings, your running mate, who you're running against, and what is important to you? What made you decide to get into politics? Well, <laughs> uh, I would say my thought probably started about three years ago. Uh, I just got reinstated back to the prison after my second case, you know, I had to sue the state and I won and I I got reinstated and they sent me back to uh, CFRC in Orlando. So without kind of giving too much details about it, because I'm not really ready to discuss, you know, that part of it, but I, I had a discussion with someone about some of the corruption that was going on and the person stabbed me in the back. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So when that person did that, you know, me and my wife talked about it and she, she was like, you need to run for office and you need to, you know, do better than what he's doing because we can see what, you know, he's not doing the right thing. And I was like, eh, it's politics. I don't know, you know, and I kind of was like iffy about it at that time. So, you know, as the, the years go by, you know, I keep thinking about it more and more because I see, you know, what he's doing and what he's not doing and, and how I, what I think, you know, should be better for the people in the community because, you know, I'm here constantly fighting for officers in Tallahassee and my wife keeps throwing it at me, you know, oh, you should, you know, you should run for office here in the community because you'll do better, you know, than he will. So finally, last year, at the end of the year, I made the decision, you know, she pushed me 
hard and you know because i haven't i've been out of work since june of 2020 i was like you know what i'm not doing anything i know i can do this i know i could do better than him i'll do it so I, I put the paperwork in and made the decision and that was it and that's now you're, what did it. you're running made is uh randy maggard right no no david smith david smith now, see, this is the controversy that I was going through because, like, when I search online, a lot of a lot of what comes up is you're running for District 28. It used to be 28. Okay. And then they, they did the redistricting. So now, okay. it's, now it's 38. Now it's 38. And then right. the representative that's now currently, from my research, for 38 is Randy Maggard. No. But uh, David Smith came up under 28. Yeah, that's probably an old article. Or so something. all the research I did is on Randy Maggard. I don't know anything about David Smith. <laughs> Randy Maggard is, 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 is very questionable to me as well. He's a, he's a Republican. Yeah. But um, see, I, don't, I don't know which, that, which. He might be. Is he an incumbent? Yes. Well, he, he, he's probably in the new 28 that changed from whatever it used to be. Possibly. I'll have to go yeah. back and look at that. But I mean, this, this is one of the richest, uh, one of the richest representatives in the state of Florida. He's, he's, yeah. he's valued at $5.3 million, yet his base salary is only 30000 Yeah, that's wow. about what, what David Smith is worth. You know, he's, he's, he started in politics, maybe I want to say about a, a million and a half worth of, of his value. Mm -hmm. And he has a colonel pension, which is about 105 grand a year, his $28,000 salary. And now he's worth roughly 5 million. So you tell me how somebody gets that value from, from what they make. Well, this is a lot of what I say. You know, this is, again, like we the people, we have to wake up. We're out here working 60 to 80 hours. And these representatives that we're, we're putting <laughs> right. in office are living in mansions. They're living yeah. way off. And away from society, they have no touch. We don't ever see these people in the communities, but yet we'll see them on TV talking about what they know and how to fix our communities. And we never, and when they do come in, they're, they're with 15 bodyguards. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no connection with the communities, but these people are living in mansions. Look at, look at Nancy Pelosi. Mm -hmm. Every time you see her, she has a different blouse and a matching mask. Right during the pandemic, she shows us this, this $10,000 refrigerator that's filled with Haagen-Dazs ice cream because this is her favorite. The, these people are living in a lap of luxury. How? Because their base salaries don't they show need, it. They need to take money and lobbyists out of politics. If they do that, it's going to stop a lot of that problem. You know, because a lot of these, these companies, and I'll, I'll use the power companies, for example, because... You know, they want to wipe out solar in Florida. And I'm, I, I have solar on my house. And that's important to me. So they want to lobby the politicians in Tallahassee and throw money at them to try to rewrite bills or change laws in their, in their favor. And they actually got one law changed this past January. And now people have to pay more if they want to get solar. You know, there's a lot of other details involved with it. But that's just one example. We need to take that lobbying and the money out of politics altogether. And then you'll have actually people that will have nothing better to do than to, you know, do things for the community. And here in my community in Winter Springs, our sewage problem is, is atrocious. And the water quality is disastrous. Mm. You know, the DEP is all over the city. They have fines levied against the city. And where, where's David Smith in all this? Oh, he's nowhere. But he'll turn around and he'll say, well, he can't do anything. That's not true. He can do something. You know, there's a reason why the people in this community are going to the person higher than David Smith is because David Smith can't, he won't do anything for these people because, because he's not getting any of that. Right. You know, if, he, if there was a way he'd get a kickback for, for getting involved in this, he would do it in a heartbeat. But there's no incentive for him to, to help us. So how do you feel that you can change? If, if you feel that you're going into an arena 
with all of these walls, you know, you're talking millions and billions of dollars. Sure. Well, I already see, I already see what, what, you know, has to be done because I've been getting myself involved in it. You know, I've, I've emailed the city. I've talked to the city leaders, talked to the city manager, talked to the company who's handling the water problem. And me being in law enforcement, all you have to do is talk to somebody and listen to what they have to say. And you're going to hear the truth coming out of their mouth without, without even having to, to know it. They're going to twist it and you're going to hear it. And I hear it. And, 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 and there's bad things that they're doing and, and they're not fixing it the way they should be fixing it because they're, they're focused on a re-election because it's an election year. You know, mm. they want to just keep saying the water's good, the water's good, the water's good until, you know, whatever happens. But right. that's not the case. You know, we all know the truth. All the, the people in the community know the truth. Why? Because we're listening to the DEP. And those are the ones that are, are, are putting the facts out there. The city is just putting their own spin on it to make it look positive. And, and I see it and I hear it. When I talk to these people, I can hear the lies coming out of their mouths. Why? Because I've worked in that, depart- in that industry for how many years and I can hear a lie when, when it's said, you know, when it's talked to me. Right. You, you know that. You know, okay. if another inmate is lying to you or an officer is lying to you, you're going to know it. And that's just how well, I me am. specifically, because I, you know, just the, the environment that I was raised in, I was right. taught at a very young age to, to learn body language. Exactly. Right? That is a big, big thing. Right. There. And, and, and anybody could tell me anything. This is why I say, you know, uh, uh, right. You know, it, it makes no difference of what you're saying. I'm reading everything about you as you're saying it. Right. You know, and, and I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I'm driving down the road about a week ago. And I see one of the, the, the trucks of the company that's handling out water, right? So I said to myself, I says, I got to follow this truck and I got to stop this truck and I got to talk to this guy, whoever he is, right? So just so happens I was lucky enough to, to, to catch him pulling into the water treatment plant. So I pulled in right behind him. I got out of my car. I walked up to the, to the truck and there's three guys in there. And I started asking some questions. I was being polite, you know, not trying to spook them because I know they can get spooked when there's bad things going on and they don't want you to know about things. They get, people get spooked. So I started asking a couple, you know, straightforward questions. And my goal as while asking those questions was to watch their body language, because that was going to tell me everything. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, everything that they acted on told me that there was something to hide. They were going to lie to me. They were going to tell me anything to try to get me on my way. And that's exactly what they did. You start asking those questions and they start looking at each other and their eyes bulge and they, they stutter. And it was, well, you know, I don't know, but it's just that when I look at these individuals, these human beings, these politicians, and you start researching them and just looking in, in their character, you just watch some interviews with these people. These people are really weasels. Like they have no backbone. They have no, no balls to stand up against corruption. I can see it. Like these guys in a prison would be taken advantage of in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? These guys would, they, just nothing about these personalities and not all of them. Right. Right. Not all of them, but it just seems to be the majority. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm being mean. The point is what I'm trying to make is that these people have no backbone. Right. This is what I'm trying to say is that they have no, no history of backbone to stand up in front of corruption and tell them, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, no matter what they say or what they do. I stood up at a city hall meeting and I pretty much called the whole commission out, you know, by telling them that, you know, I didn't really say me at the, at the state level, but I'm running for state office. I have to disclose my financials at one point. And I called them out on it because they are using a loophole to disclose their financials. Why? You know why? So, if I was up there on that commission sitting there hearing me saying that I would be the first one to raise my hand and say, I will disclose my financials. Here you go. I will do it because I have nothing to hide. Right. And, and, and being a public official, that's what you're, you're expected to do. Right. 
You know, you're expected to be open to the public. We want to know who you are, where are you getting this money from? Right. You know, we want to know that. And if you're hiding something like, say, if I'm hiding, if I'm sitting in front of a judge and I'm hiding something, what am I going to be found guilty as? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's people, people don't look at that stuff. You know, they, they, they really don't go that deep into someone running for office or someone that already in office. They just look at the face value of the person, what they're saying, what they're, you know, what they think they're doing and, and that's it. And they vote party line. That's it. Especially right. Party line, especially at your level. You know right. what I mean? Especially at the, the lower districts and things like that. It's just whether they're Democrat, it's a two party system anymore. Right. You know, so what, what with that being said, why Democrat? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I am a Democrat. I'm a moderate Democrat. Okay. Yes, we do exist. And like you, we are disgusted with the direction of the Democratic Party. Okay. The common question I get all the time is why not leave the party? Well, for me, it's simple. If we're going to save the country from the far left's destructive agenda, we have to take away the incentive for the far left to run. And we can do this by electing moderate Democrats. You know, that's, I'm like an old JFK Democrat. That's what I consider myself. So these people care about one thing. They, they only care about winning. And, and once, they, once they see that they can't win on the far left socialist inspired platform, America wins. You know, with me, you know what you're getting. You know, I'm honest in my beliefs. And here locally, the Semdems, they hate me for it. My opponent is, is not that different from me. I guess they call, uh, they call him a rhino. <laughs> you mm. know what a rhino is. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I'm probably more conservative than him. In a way, he's more of a Democrat than me. So essentially, it seems everyone's choice this November is between two Democrats. So you might as well vote for the one who's honest about it. And I feel that's me. That's why. That's why I stay as a Democrat. And, and I respect that as well. And, and trying to, to repair a broken party, 